0: It's true.
1: Jacob Aldrott, Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Lee, jacob albrock tommy caster jad chambers producing for you a tuesday edition a sunflower showdown edition and a super bowl preparation edition of sports daily we'll talk about that big sunflower showdown round two seven o'clock allen Fieldhouse tonight between the eighth ranked jayhawks and seventh ranked wildcats we've got dan israel coming up just a little bit later here in our next segment to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have a chance to look back a bit with Dan this week. We can, of course, look ahead to the Super Bowl because we'll get him a couple of times between now and then. 869-1240 is your number to call. You can get in touch with us on social media as well. Tommy, how are you this morning?
0: You know, barely enough time to uh, catch our breath, right? We go from the AFC Championship game on Sunday get yesterday off and today it's another sunflower showdown inside Allen Fieldhouse KU and K State tonight so uh, it's it's the busiest time of year in the sports world on the sports calendar and uh, I know we're gonna break it all down today
1: it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, let's start with that sunflower showdown we've also got you heard right on that NFL update uh, sort of news on Brock Purdy what does that mean potentially for Tom Brady? now potentially returning to the 49ers. We'll talk about that later in the show as well. But Sunflower Showdown, number seven, number eight. We get the new top 25 yesterday. Um, Look, this is about as even a matchup as you can get. And Kansas really would like to get a little revenge. And we talked about this yesterday. I think first and foremost, Tommy, if the Wildcats can get this win, it really hurts KU's chances of even, you know, well— Doesn't hurt their chances necessarily to share the big 12 title as much, but certainly to win it outright because it would put the, it would put K state three games ahead of them in the standings.
0: Yeah, it would be a big deal. Um, You know, Texas won last night against Baylor and snapped Baylor's win streak. So Texas is at seven and two uh, in the big 12 Kansas state, a half game behind right now and KU a game and a half behind Texas. So with the loss tonight, Kansas goes two games back in the Big 12. They're 5-4. and four. Uh, And so you're, you're halfway through two games back with a loss. You're not completely out of the picture, but it does make it a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's daunting for KU. And Vegas likes KU right now. By BetMGM's number this morning, Tommy, uh, we've seen this thing as high as 8.5. I think it was flirting around 7.5 yesterday. BetMGM does have it at 8.5 this morning. Uh, they expect a lot of points. 145 and a half on the over. I don't know, man. I, you know, everybody in the world's gonna hear that and say, hammer K-State, right? Because K-State beat them. K-State looks really good. That's a lot of points in a game that you feel like is gonna be close, but it's also one of those where it's like, all right, let's figure this thing out because everybody's gonna bet K-State. Vegas knows that what what are we missing here that makes them think KU might win by a healthy margin tonight
0: yeah I mean that's the thing that's why Vegas is so good at what they do because you know that they know that everybody's gonna see that line and they're gonna hammer K State that was my gut reaction I saw it I think last night at six and a half and I was like man like I, I want to put money on K State to cover that for sure uh, but then I started thinking about it a little bit more Bill self has only been swept by a conference opponent. I believe twice in his career. Uh, So it doesn't happen very often at all. Uh, It's back in Lawrence. uh, The the Jayhawks snap their skid uh, on the road at Kentucky over the weekend in the big 12 sec challenge. Uh, And and of course they're, they're battling to get right back into the big 12 hunt. And so I think that all of those things combined probably leads Vegas to believe that this is a game that the Jayhawks will win. Uh, But then I think they also know that if they, they set their line, uh, where it is that people are gonna hammer K-State.
1: Oh man. Um yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that. I'm gonna need to think about it like all day. This may be one where where we look at the props, right? Because I I I'm I'm nervous to just go with my instant reaction of that's too many points for K-State, just take the points. Yeah. Um I would actually probably think the under would be the play, which I also don't like because of the chance of overtime again in this game. So I, I think it's a I think it's a proppy kind of game. Uh, maybe feels like a Grady-Dick game a little bit this time around. Um, you mentioned the Jalen Wilson prop has been a great you know play for a while now because it's usually at 19 and a half. Let's just take a look at that. Uh, he's had over 20 points in the last four games. Uh, but before that, he didn't have it in four straight. So, you know, you got to be a little bit careful, but recent history tells us Jalen Wilson yeah. is going for 20. Uh, the prop I so- see right now on Jalen
0: Wilson, by the way, is the over-under is at 21.5, which I still like. Ooh. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's done over, I think, 23 points in the last, what, four or five games. Uh, yeah. And back at home, I mean, we know he's going to take a ton of shots, um, so, I, I mean, I, I still think that one is fairly easy to hit in my mind.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen the prop market totally out yet. I'll be paying attention to Marquise Noel uh, because of what we've talked about with um, with Dwan Harris and whether he's fully back or not. But I, I think I'll probably play Dick and I'll play K.J. Adams for sure. Uh, those How do you two feel about –
0: I'm, I'm seeing a couple of props here for uh, both Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller. Over seven and a half rebounds, uh, both of them are you know pretty frequently getting double digit rebounds. So I kind of like those numbers too.
1: Well, I definitely like McCuller over seven and a half. What's he been? He's been twelve and twelve the last two games, and I think they've maybe and and that's and it's a good good one to bring up because I think that you know as Ku s- continues to evolve and learn how to play undersized his rebounding is going to be a big part of their game plans and what they're able to do. We know his defense is there. He's as good a perimeter defender as there is in the country. Uh, But, you know, him becoming a rebounder does help this team. If, if he becomes a defender and rebounder because his offense is not followed at the pace we might've expected this year, that's probably good for KU. So, yeah, Yeah. I I think that's a good one, but you know, it, it it's, it's a little bit of a hard game to predict, Tommy, because both of these teams are capable of playing slow, fast, high-scoring, low-scoring. You know, they they are able to do that and it gets it really does, and it did the first time. It gets into that coaching and, and you know the different nuances of the game and the way they change it. They're both, you know, they're both top 10 teams for a reason.
0: So I think the betting world uh, actually thinks the same way that we do right now. I'm looking at some stats and out of all the bets placed, 82% of them are on KU on the money line. So it's 82% to 18% for KU on the money line. On the money line, yeah. But then on the spread, it's 70% Kansas State, 30% Kansas. So, I mean, it's kind of the the consensus. Like, I think the world right now is thinking KU will win, uh, but I think there's a good shot Kansas State covers that spread.
1: And let me just say this. I'm not convinced totally that KU will win. I'm not convinced at all that KU will win. K-State is really, really good. And and maybe there's recency bias of, yeah, oh, but well, they're coming back home. And and it look, it is KU at home, right? But K-State is a legitimate bona fide top ten team. They might be a top five team. There's there's no and I and I still that's still amazing for me to say. Because when this season started the expectation was don't finish at the bottom of the big 12 that's i mean that is just wild how much better they are than and not that we knew we had no idea how good they would be it was a total unknown but at this point watching them as often as we as we've watched them they're not missing anything right and they're about to get Gasson back and get a really a, a nice big that they've been missing and i think he's back for this game um, he was back I, over I the believe. weekend.
0: I think he played limited minutes in the but Big I Twelve SEC back, showdown.
1: Back. But yeah, I think he's back back for this game. Bill Self certainly. It sounded like yesterday thinks he will be. Like I think his limited may go away for this game. And you know that's that's big because we've talked a billion times about KU's lack of size down low. But they just handled Oscar Shibwe. I don't know. I it's. I think even more so than the first time around it's a really hard one to try to predict and one that we can just sit back and enjoy because there's really, I mean, there's not a lot when two teams like this play that are as versatile as these two teams both are, because not all great teams are versatile, right? A lot of great teams are just going to impose their will on what they do, no matter what you do. K-State and Kansas, neither one of them feel that way to me. Like we see them play different styles of basketball just about every night, right? They come out, sometimes they run, Sometimes they lock down defensively. Sometimes they fly high. Sometimes they take a ton of threes. Like they, they're two very versatile teams, and I think that makes a game like tonight. Like I throw up your hands. Like I don't know what they're going to do.
0: Well, keep in mind the difference maker the last time these two teams met was Desi Sills. He had 24 points off the bench, and so uh, of course Keontae Johnson and, and Marquise Noel led the team, but Desi Sills was a big reason why. The Wildcats won that game in Manhattan a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think one of the keys for the Wildcats will be if they can out physical KU, um, out tough KU. I think that's going to be um, obviously a big part of why the the Wildcats could win this game. But for Kansas, yeah. you know, if if they can get out and run, and if shots can drop in transition. Uh, and, and if the, the three ball is falling, I know Grady Dick is feeling a little bit more comfortable. DeJuan Harris had a couple of big threes the other night. Uh, they need him to not turn the ball over also. That's going to be a key reason why the Jayhawks will win. I mean, these, these are, are two very evenly matched teams. They play, I think they prefer to play different kinds of basketball between the two teams. But as far as just the overall talent level, I mean, even looking at the, the way that the season is broken down for both of these teams, they're averaging... I mean, there's about a point difference between what the two of them are. Two teams are averaging in points per game throughout the season. There is less than a point difference on what they're averaging points against this season. Their field goal percentage is nearly identical. Their rebounds a game nearly identical. Like these two teams match up so well. And I think that's why at least going back to the conversation about the line, I was surprised to see it in the favor of KU as big as it was.
1: Well, I mean, look, K State. I'm I'm surprised too. K State just won a game where 114 points were scored, right? In the Iowa State game, there were 156 points scored. The Texas Tech win, uh, there were 126 points scored. The Kansas game before that, 165 in overtime. Like they go up and down. Like it just there. I I feel like they adjust more than they. Say, all right, we're gonna come in and we'll play our style of basketball. KU is a little bit similar. KU KU tends to hit, you know, between 65 and 75 points typically, um, other than overtime, but they're they're a little bit more consistent in the pace and style and everything. K-State's not at all, man. They they play different like seriously, every guy, every game we watch them play. You just like you don't know. Is it going to be one of those games where they grind it out, like when they played Wichita State? Is it going to be one of those games where they absolutely run the floor and go high flying, fast paced, like uh, maybe the Oklahoma game? They're just they're capable of both, so I don't know. You know that that tells me they probably would, especially on the road, that they'd probably want to make this a slow down, grind it out type of game, um, which goes to your point of you know being more physical. And that's fine, but that doesn't work if KU shoots the ball well. And if KU shoots the ball well and it becomes apparent it's going to be an on-night for those shooters, K-State's going to have to adjust on the fly. But they can. We've seen it, and that's what makes them so good. Because, again, like I fully suspect they'll come in and they'll want to run a slow pace in this game. That would be my guess. That could go out the window in about five minutes if, if, they, if KU comes out, hits two or three three-pointers, uh, gets up to a six or eight-point lead, K-State could throw that game plan right out the window and say, let's run, boys, because we don't have a choice here. KU's feeling it. They're going to shoot the ball well tonight. We're going to have score. And and that's what I've really enjoyed about watching them is they do that within a game, like on a dime. They they flip a script like that. KU, for me, Tommy, I think if they shoot the ball well, they're going to win. I mean, I think you know that that's probably where I look. If they shoot a high percentage from three, I think they're probably going to win this game. And what I'm really curious about for KU is how they defend tonight. And really not just for this game, but like moving forward. That's always a part of KU's greatness is they always, by the end of the year, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And that's going to be a tall order with Iowa State and Kansas State and some of these teams in the league this year. But they they do need to get there if they're going to be the best versions of themselves.
0: Yeah, on top of that, too, and we haven't even mentioned it, uh, Zuby Ejiofor is out and going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, it, he was in a walking boot after the game against Kentucky, and Bill Self said that he's going to be out at least for a while. So Ernest Uday uh, will be the, the first big off the bench for Kansas. So an already short bench and an already, um, I would say, unproductive bench for the most part that we've seen recently for Kansas gets even shorter uh, with the loss of be edge before. And so, you know, that that the way that Bill Self manages the bench, the way that he manages uh, the the minutes from the starters and and this could very easily be a game when you're playing a talented team like K State and you're you you've got to get a win to be able to get back into the hunt in the big 12 where you could easily see guys like Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris play pretty close to the full 40 minutes um I, I mean I wouldn't be shocked to see 37 38 minutes for those guys playing in this game and of course, it comes down to production. It comes down to the trust that Bill Self has uh, in the bench players, but we really haven't seen any indication from guys like Bobby Pettiford or Joe Yasufu that they can come in and give him quality minutes, and I fully suspect we're going to get into the second half, and it's going to be a, a close game like it was in Manhattan, one possession, maybe two possessions, and who do you want to go to at that time? You You, you, you don't want to have to have – minutes with guys that are unproven and untrustworthy so i fully suspect this will be a game where we see a ton of minutes from the starters
1: oh yeah on both sides Uh, i agree i agree with that very much so we'll get uh, more into the game as we make our way through the program here we're going to take a quick break because up next dan israel executive producer of the chiefs radio network joins us for our weekly spot as we get a look back at that afc championship game and maybe just a little bit of a look forward. Uh, to the Eagles, but we got another week to do that. So we'll do it with Dan Israel next on Sports Daily. Uh, Tommy, I'm backwards here this morning. Dan Israel's coming up at 10 a.m., as he always does. Uh, I've been crossed up on that for the last 48 hours. Uh, So we'll have Dan a little bit later in the show. Top of next hour, we will get to Dan Israel. Uh, Tommy, let's talk about this San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation. It is one that's going to be a lot of fun to follow. We get the news yesterday that Brock Purdy has a uh, a UCL injury that's going to keep him out six months. Tom Brady's going to be looking for a new home. They, you know, They had an opportunity last time. It sounds like they went with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's fine. San Francisco's got like a mess at quarterback, right? You don't know about the future of Trey Lance. He's been hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo's always hurt. Now Brock Purdy's out at least six months, even if Brock Purdy is the future of this franchise. Don't you think it makes way too much sense to go bring Tom Brady in for a year? and say, Purdy, get fully healthy. You're going to sit next year. We're rolling one year with Brady, and then the job's yours.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, I wasn't on board with that for a while. Uh, like, if Brock Purdy hadn't have injured himself in in the NFC Championship game, uh, then I would have said, you know what, I think that they probably should roll with Brock Purdy next season as the starter. But he's going to be out for six months. Trey Lance has shown you nothing in his time uh, in San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo is not coming back. Uh, and, And so I think that you, I think you have an opportunity here. The door is open for one year of Tom Brady and then roll with Brock Purdy. Now I think the only question would be, we all know Tom Brady. What if he wants to play longer than one more year? And we won't know that until we get to that point. And the 49ers won't know that. And Tom Brady won't know that either. But what if he plays a year, he enjoys it, and decides, hey, I want to keep playing in San Francisco. Then you've got Brock Purdy sitting on the bench for even longer. That would be the only risk.
1: Well, the only reason I think Brady would do that is because he found a tremendous amount of success. And I think San Francisco would be just fine having that problem. I also think you can have a pretty honest conversation with Brady and just say let's do a one year deal and then we'll figure it out from there. Um I I do think Brady would love the idea of playing for his hometown, uh the team he grew up loving. And and the reality of it is even more than that is it would be as good a fit as you could draw up. Good tight end, good wide receivers, strong line and a team that leans on the run game right that's what Brady thrives in right now at this stage of his career it's what he thrived in early on in Tampa right that made him an MVP candidate for his first two years there and a great defense it, it is the perfect fit for Tom Brady everything about it is the right fit for Tom Brady so it, you know and and for San Francisco Bringing Tom Brady in for a year does absolutely nothing to hurt Brock Purdy. Like, nothing. Especially when you know he's got to rehab that kind of injury, right? So, just go get the go get the deal done. I, I hate the 49ers, and I want this to happen. Because it's a good fit. It would be a storybook ending for Brady. I do think he's coming back this year. I also think this is going to be his last year. And I think if he'll just put that out there... You know, early on, which I I go back and forth on that because you don't want like the swan song thing either. That's annoying when that happens. Right. The Derek Cheater goodbye tour. Give me give me a barf bag. Right. Like, who cares? Just let him play. Um, But that would be pretty storybook. And he's got that Fox job sitting there. And, you know, maybe he wants to keep playing. That's fine. If he does go be a free agent again. I go find the next bet. Be, the, be this hired gun at this stage that just comes in and gives cities a chance to win Super Bowls. How That would be so awesome. Uh, but I, I do think it makes too much sense. I do think it's going to happen. Um, the other one that we're keeping an eye on now is Aaron Rodgers. It really feels like Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay is done, whether he retires or keeps playing, right? there, there's You're starting to see reports, which are, of course – intentionally leaked reports that Green Bay prefers that Aaron Rodgers move on. And I don't blame them. One, he's getting paid way too much. Uh, two, you know, at some point, you got to turn the page. And Jordan Love, you got to take a look. As an organization, they're not winning a Super Bowl next year with Aaron Rodgers a quarterback. So if that's not going to happen, you might as well take the next step. And I think that makes sense. So they they want to move on question is, Aaron Rodgers has got that money there. Does he want to move on? And, you know, I I think that if you're a team, and the Jets are the team that's getting mentioned, and, and I think the Jets would be a great fit. Cold weather, Hackett's there, familiarity now, great defense, pretty good line, really talented group of pass catchers uh, have, you know, sort of formed there, and, you know, just hoping Brees Hall comes back, a strong run game. So you look at that fit, and it makes a lot of sense. So then if you're the Jets... Do you trade the capital to get Rodgers and pay that contract? I think you probably do if you're the Jets because you feel like you're pretty good right now. There's absolutely a world where if Aaron Rodgers was able to play at his ability last year, not, not this most recent season, but the season before when he's the MVP, and you plug him onto that New York Jet roster, I mean, Tommy, that team could win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I think that the, the one thing that the Jets have – Uh, that could be really appealing to Aaron Rodgers is all of that young talent. And Brees Hall coming back, fully healthy. Garrett Wilson uh, is one of the great young stars in the game. Sauce Gardner on defense. Like, they've got a really, really good core. Uh, I'm with you. He's not going back to Green Bay. I don't think he wants to go back to Green Bay. So, yeah, whether or not these reports are being intentionally leaked. I think it's a mutual thing. I think the Packers are ready for him to be done. And I think he's ready to be out of there too. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm my only question is, and I've said it before, I don't think he's retiring. So my only question is, where's he going to end up? And I think the Jets are likely, I still think the Raiders aren't out of the question because of the Devonte Adams connection. Uh, sure. But I do, I do think that he would like the opportunity to be in New York with the New York media um he lives off that stuff. I think it would be really exciting. And I don't think that the Jets I mean I'm I'm going back. I'm trying to think of the last time they had a really 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 high profile quarterback. They had Brett Favre for a year. Um but really, I mean probably what Joe Namath was probably the last time they had like somebody that loved the press, like Aaron Rodgers loves the press. Uh, and so it could be the second coming of of Joe Namath in in New York for for the Jets. So I think that would be really interesting to watch. My only question is, with the Jets, while they do have really talented receivers, they're really young receivers, and that's what Aaron Rodgers had in Green Bay, and there was some drama early on in trying to get on the same page with them. So I wonder if that would be uh, an issue for Aaron Rodgers, but regardless, I I think it's a really good fit.
1: Well, yeah, it is, and, and look, the, the question isn't as much about Um, does Aaron Rodgers want to move on as much as it is, can Aaron Rodgers move on? And does he want to move on at the cost of his, uh, at the cost of his massive contract, right? Because you got to have somebody take that on. Yeah. He might want to move on and Green Bay might want to move him on, but nobody might want to take on that contract. Right? So it may not be quite as simple for him. Now, he could easily just say, I'll take a pick cut. But eh, I don't know that I get the vibe Aaron Rodgers going to do that. So we'll see. I, I think he's a little more complicated than Tom Brady's. Um, but-, but
0: don't you think also that the, and we talked about the, the motivations of these two guys before, but the motivations and the situations are so different between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, where with Tom Brady, it's, the best fit possible, a quarterback away from winning a championship. And clearly that's San Francisco. They almost made it all the way to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson at quarterback. Uh, so that's got to be the motivation for Brady. We know for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's on record saying that he feels like he could win another MVP in the right situation. So right. I think you look at the, the motivations of these guys vastly different when you're trying to figure out what would be the best fit for them.
1: And they both look. They both want to win Super Bowls, but it is a nice little insight uh, as to what drives these guys. Aaron Rodgers seeks individual greatness. Tom Brady seeks championships. Um, It's not. That's not breaking news. It's always been that way, and it works fine for both of them, too. By the way, like, no, no big deal. They they're both great. I don't know. I, I want to see them both in new places. I will say that. Like, let's get both of these guys in some new spots and just see what's left in the tank. It's going to make for a fascinating off season if that happens. And I do think, Tommy, and, and we've talked about this, like for both of these guys, it, it kind of needs to happen like yesterday, right? But as soon yeah. as it can happen, it needs to happen because you've got to make all the other roster adjustments you need to make to get it done. And so I don't suspect this is any drama that like leaks and lingers close to draft day because teams have to prepare for it. And and those those guys are both smart enough to know that.
0: And with San Francisco, you you wonder what ends up happening to those other quarterbacks. Uh, Do they trade Trey Lance? Is there a team that would want to take a flyer on Trey Lance and unproven and that that raw talent? Um, What about Jimmy G? Is he a good candidate for one of these jobs that, um, you know, in, in a city that they need a quarterback, but maybe they're a little bit further away? Like I think of like an Indianapolis or a Tennessee, maybe for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that I mean, obviously, there's there's always dominoes to fall uh, when you're talking about where quarterbacks are going to go. But then I also wonder about like if Tom Brady goes to San Francisco and Brock Purdy rehabs, that arm is the backup for a year. Then where where do the other San Francisco quarterbacks end up?
1: Um, I don't know. Well, Brock Purdy's going to stay, that right? I mean, easy. the other trade, yeah. Trey Lance, Trey Lance is the, I mean, Trey Lance is the most interesting one to me. Jimmy Garoppolo can do whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo probably will be the guy that ends up in a place like Carolina or Indianapolis or somebody that's. You know, just trying to, to get a young quarterback and groom him in or maybe thinks they're good enough to just take a shot that way. It, I, so Jimmy Garoppolo will will probably get a chance to go be a starter somewhere. But the, the problem for him is, man, his injury history is now just really hard to swallow if you're a prospective pers- team. So I don't know. Trey Lance is far more fascinating in where he goes because now you got to talk about, like, are you convinced Trey Lance is any good? Yeah. I have n- I have no idea. I don't, idea. I don't I, think anybody I knows. No, I, I thought he was a bit of a reach as a prospect. I get it, like the athleticism. But now we're what? He's coming into year three, and we know absolutely nothing about him. Like he, he, everyone makes that, you know, Jordan Love. And we didn't we see anything from Trey Lance either. I think I'd, you know, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable maybe even with Jordan Love than I would with Trey Lance at this point. So what do you do with Trey? I don't know what you do with Trey Lance. You probably just have to keep him on the roster. Uh, it makes me I wonder think-
0: if a. Uh- It makes me wonder if there's a team out there that has a a current quarterback that fits kind of the same sort of style as Trey Lance, where you can bring him in to be a backup. Um, For example, you remember the couple of years when you had RG3 backing up Lamar Jackson? Like, they were Mm -hmm. fairly similar in skill set. Obviously, RG3 was nowhere near the talent level of what Lamar Jackson was. But in the event that Lamar Jackson went out, it's kind of that way now. Uh, With Tyler Huntley, I mean, it's kind of the the same sort of style teams are trying to do that right where you've got a backup that it's not a complete shift in the quarterback skill set. You can still run the same kind of scheme. So that would make me wonder, like what teams out there are looking for a backup for one of their guys that maybe fits the same sort of style uh, as what Trey Lance can play.
1: Yeah, I, I think that could make some sense. I don't know who that is, you know, or I don't know. I don't know what they do. I mean, if you have to, if you're going to bolster the roster, would you take like a third for Trey Lance at this point? I think you probably, yeah, probably would because if I'm
0: the Niners, I'm going to take whatever I can get for him. Like if I get Tom Brady in, I've got to find ways to get, I mean, Jimmy G's a free agent, so he's going to go away. But I, I would take whatever I can get to move out Trey Lance.
1: Look, the thing that, the thing though about Trey Lance is he's Kyle Shanahan's guy. Right. Like he's this this administration for the 49ers is the team that traded so much to get him and did all that stuff. So I I also could see just like Brock Purdy, them just saying, all right, Brady, come in and just sit on it. All right. You could just sit on Trey Lance. You don't have to you don't have to sell low. Just let him get healthy. I mean, Brady could get hurt. Right. Like anything can happen. So and San Francisco right now is the snake bitten organization of injured quarterbacks. Maybe you just keep all three of them. I mean, you could make a case for that Uh, because the reality is we don't know Brock Purdy's injury. I mean, that's a, that's a throwing arm ligament injury, right? Major league baseball pitchers don't come back from those quickly. And I know it's different in football, but it could take longer than six months, right? Tommy
0: John, you know, Tommy John, that's a, that's a big time surgery. And, and of course it's, you know, commonplace nowadays, but uh, there, there's rehab that goes into it. And, and typically Uh, we see players that have Tommy John. They're able to come back, and and their arm is good as new, uh, which is great. But, yeah, this is not a – it does take time. This is not an overnight thing.
1: And and if it takes the same time that it takes a Major League Baseball pitcher, well, then it's going to take a full year. And since he got hurt in the playoffs, you would suspect he's probably not going to be ready. So maybe just keep everybody. But bring in Brady to San Francisco. Uh, Let's just go ahead and get that done. Uh, make make it happen now. Everybody'll be happy. Brady'll be happy. Niners will be happy. Uh his family will be happy, I think. Uh we'll all be happy, even though we might hate the Niners to to keep him in. Because at this point, like does anybody really want Brady to not play next year and Rogers to not play next year? I, I don't know, you know, there were now if you asked that question about both those guys like six years ago, everyone would have said, get him out of here. Yeah. I don't know that that sentiment exists anymore. I think everybody's sort of intrigued by this and just like, let's, let's just keep him around one more year. And the reality is bad quarterback plays the worst thing for the NFL. So yeah, keep those guys around.
0: As far as Tom Brady is concerned, uh, I just, we're never gonna get rid of the guy. So might as well just see how long he can last. Now, I, I, at this point, I'd love to see him play until he's 50. I mean, I, and maybe he can. Uh, I know you think this might be his last year, but Br- one thing we know about Brady is that if he, he feels like he can play, he's going to keep playing. I, at this point, like just ride it as long as you can.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch, and we'll continue to watch it. All right, we'll come back. The Royals make some news yesterday. Uh, they bring back their old arm in Zach Grinky. We'll talk about that. We'll have a giveaway. Uh, Dan Israel, top of the hour. We'll do it all on Sports Daily as we roll forward. wager that misses can still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more, and if you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back in bonus bets. Just opt into this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. With one-game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game from tons of bet types, including team and player props. So go ahead and take your favorite NBA star to score big the home team to cover and the over in points opt into the promotion then place an nba one game parlay wager of four legs or more and you'll get up to 25 bucks back in bonus bets if you miss one leg visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager kansas only all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. It's one of my favorite bets, Tommy. I love doing those NBA one-game parlays. Don't know a ton about the NBA, but what I like about it is you can tease down those legs as much as you want. So you got a pretty decent chance to only miss one and then get your money back on it. But I like that bet. I do it quite a bit there on BetMGM, so check that out if you haven't. Especially if you're an NBA fan, you'll have uh, a leg up on me uh, in that way. All right, Tommy. Major League Baseball season, the Royals have been moderately active. And they make a move yesterday that I actually love. Zach Greinke's coming back. And we didn't know if that was going to happen for a lot of reasons. We didn't know if he still wanted to pitch. We didn't know if the Royals were still going to think that was a good fit. It was such a great story going into the year last year. But look, he had a three sixty eight ERA over 26 starts, gave you 137 innings. He doesn't strike anybody out anymore, but man, he's an effective pitcher. And he's exactly what this team needs. You heard all the stories of how much those guys learned about being a pro from him. Uh, this, this makes a ton of sense to me for the Royals. I actually like this move a lot. And I, I'm beginning to give the new administration like a B-minus on this offseason, C-plus, B-minus. Like, I don't think it's a disaster. I think they've traded away some of the right pieces. I think they're getting back in return for those trades what they need to, which is bullpen arms, which is the only way they win games this year is if they have a great bullpen. And they're freeing up space for those young guys. You bring in Zach Grinky to continue to help the young starters. I like it, and I think they're heads on straight and they're not going into panic mode in a time where they very easily could go into panic mode because they want to build that new ballpark.
0: They're going to be bad this year. And I think the question is, are they going to be moderately bad or are they going to be like awful bad, like disaster, dumpster, fire bad? And, you know, I would think that with the moves that they're trying to make, uh, I think my my assessment is kind of like yours, starting to move a little bit more towards, OK. They're, they're going to be moderately bad. They're, they're rebuilding. Right. They're still a sub-500 team. They're not a playoff team. That uh, They're probably, I don't know, fourth place in the division kind of team for this season. But one thing that J.J. Piccolo is doing and Matt Quattrero doing, they are attempting, at least in this first offseason, to put the pieces in place to be able to have some better long-term success. Uh, and trading away some of the pieces that are not going to help get you there long-term. So I understand that Zach Grinky, you know, you teased him uh, before the break and you said the Royals are bringing back an old arm. And I like literally an old arm, like he's old, uh, yeah. but th- that, that that's okay. Uh, I think for this season, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Grinky is going to pitch maybe any longer than next season. Uh, but regardless, he does eat up innings. That's the big thing, I think, for Royals pitching this year is eat up as many innings as you can. Um, but they do have a little bit of a better bullpen now, you would think, on paper than what they had a year ago. So uh, I think we we might hopefully see some moderate improvement in pitching overall. They're still going to be a bad pitching staff, but maybe a little bit better than a year ago.
1: Yeah, look, um, I, 65 wins was a year ago. I it's, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think baseball is one of the hardest sports to predict how good a team might be or could be if things fall in line and it just goes well, right? Because baseball is such a streaky sport anyway. Um, could they mess around and get close to 500 and be in the mix for a wild card? I think they probably could, and what makes that interesting is if they get into that point, now you're looking at a situation where do they become aggressive at the deadline, and that's where it's hard to predict now what they might be able to be because it's hard to predict whether they're aggressive at the deadline, right? Like if, they, if they're if they in the mix, if they got hot early in the year enough to get them in the mix by deadline time, that's when they may get aggressive and say, you know what, let's go find some guys and get – you know, get those in there, and so we'll we'll see. I, I wouldn't I just, do that. Th- I wouldn't I w- do that. Well,
0: for for a wild card, a potential wild card, and uh, the last thing you want to do if you're the Royals, well, they're not going to trade got, the young
1: assets. They if might you've trade got a prospects. strategy for long
0: term. Wh- why would you want to go and, and well, get rid of? So here's
1: here's uh, where I the Royals don't... here's where the Royals get really complicated to me, right? Like when you talk about trading prospects. Basically, all their prospects are up at the big league level, right? They called them all up. So now, like, the value of the prospects behind the the guys that are on the roster now, those are all guys that you've got long-term visions of anyway. So it it gets a little easier. They don't have a great farm system. But it gets a little easier when you know basically your entire roster is young To trade young guys because they're probably blocked anyway if you've evaluated things right. So I don't know. And I'm not saying they'll go trade for like the top starter on the market. But it's hard to predict a full season because of that element of things. Now listen, I don't think any of that's happening. I think they'll be better than they were last year. How much better is a little hard to predict. But I don't know that they'll be that much better, right? I do think the Zach Greinke move makes a ton of sense for this team though. So uh, we'll... We'll continue to make our way through their offseason. We're getting close. It's about to be February. That's wild. Uh, but we'll do that. All right. Dan Israel is coming up at 10, 869-1240. And get those calls ready after we talk to Dan. We'll do that next on Sports Daily.